Let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 12. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And our purpose is to worship the God of heaven and earth in spirit and in truth. Revelation chapter 12. We were here a couple of weeks ago, but I want to come here again for another reason. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17 describes the first of two women that are described in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 17, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. We want to be the remnant seed of this woman. This woman is the true church of Jesus Christ. The other woman that we're going to read about is the false church of Jesus Christ, the great whore, mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. We want to be the church that keeps the commandments of God. The rest of the so-called Christian or religious world this morning are celebrating their Easter holiday weekend. We reject the Roman Catholic Church's liturgical calendar. The liturgical calendar is a calendar of so-called churches and religion that sets the feast days and other celebrations of the churches that follow Rome. We follow the Bible and its ordinances. And the Bible tells us how to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it doesn't involve anything to do with the world's Easter holiday. We would be scared to follow the world and adopt a holiday that is so pleasing to all of them. All of their churches, all of their schisms, all of their sects, and all of their merchants make money on this holiday weekend. We would be scared to be participating in that. We want to be this woman right here and the remnant of her seed. The Bible describes the fact that God's children are the minority in the world and a persecuted lot at that. And this woman has hid herself in the dens and caves of the earth and in This particular case, the Lord gave her the great wings of an eagle to hide from the dark ages when Rome dominated Europe and persecuted the true believers of Jesus Christ. Now come over to Revelation 17 and let's find the identity of another woman, a false church. A woman is used to represent churches in the Bible because the church is the bride of Christ. God is the male, or God is the husband. Jesus is the male, or the husband. And we are His bride. And to have a husband as great as the Lord Jesus Christ, no man should be ashamed to be a bride. I don't mind being the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ because He is the High King of Heaven and the Lord of Glory. And when He comes back and splits this atmosphere open and rains fire and brimstone on this earth and burns up all the works of men with fervent heat, It'll be a pleasure and honor to be his wife. Revelation chapter 17, our brother John sees another woman. And I begin reading at verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, 
having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. This is the Roman Catholic Church. The beast that is described in this chapter and is also described in chapters 12, 13, and 18 is the same beast as Daniel chapter 7, which is the fourth of the great world empires, the Roman Empire. And there was a church that rode on the back of the Roman Empire and came into power, and it's the Roman Catholic Church. The last verse of this chapter says, The woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. At the time that the Apostle John wrote the Revelation, what city reigned over the kings of the earth? The Roman Empire. And Rome reigned. So it's a Roman church. And this church is called the Great Whore because it's not a faithful church. It's a church that goes out and commits spiritual fornication with the kings of the earth and with the world. And this woman is the mother of harlots in that she has lots of little churches. And we see them all over the place today. And she is the mother of abominations because the things that she has come up with in the name of religion are abominable in the sight of God. And with that introduction, the Roman Catholic Church sets the stage and has the liturgical calendar that even Baptists, and it hurts me so much to know that Baptists are celebrating Easter today following the Roman Catholic Church when there isn't a word in the Bible about such a holiday. Lord, have mercy upon them, our Baptist brothers, near and far. Turn over to 1 John chapter 5, just back a few pages, where we can learn from the Word of God how we ought to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. Three verses. Each verse has three things in it. 1 John 5, I begin at verse 6. It is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, as you can see from verse 5. 1 John 5, 6. This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. Very simply, Jesus Christ was shown to the world to be the Son of God by the Spirit of God, by water and by blood. By the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God gave Him power to perform miraculous signs and wonders for three and a half years of His ministry. The Spirit of God descended like a dove upon Him. The Spirit of God gave Him the tongue of the learned so that He could answer and confuse and silence all the doctors of the law in Israel. But He came by the Spirit and He came by water because it was at His baptism... It was at the waters of baptism at the age of 30. Before 30, only his mother 
And Joseph and a few others knew that he was the Son of God. He lived a rather ordinary life for 30 years until he entered upon his public ministry. But at the age of 30, when he was baptized in water, God's voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. He came by water. He came by blood, because when he was hanging on the cross and shedding his blood for our sins, the sky was darkened, and the sun was hidden, and there was three hours of darkness upon the earth, and there was an earthquake, and the veil in the temple was rent in twain. He came by blood. It was when he was shedding his blood that God testified of his son by such miraculous power that the Roman centurion in charge of his crucifixion said, Truly, this man is the Son of God. He came by water and blood. Those are the witnesses that testified that he was the Son of God when he was in this world in verse 6. In verse 7, it tells us there's three witnesses in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. The, cl- the clearest statement of the Trinity found in the Bible. And then verse 8, there are three that bear witness in earth right now. The Spirit and the water and the blood. The Spirit of God has written this Bible about the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are going to preach Jesus Christ today. Amen. So it's the Spirit. Number two, it's by water. Whenever we have a baptism and a person is lowered under that water and buried in water, a a watery grave, and then raised up again, we celebrate the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, just like the Bible tells us to. Because there are three things in earth that witness the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God in the Bible and by preaching, and the watery ordinance of baptism that is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then by blood. The Lord's Supper. When we sit at the Lord's table and take up that cup of wine and realize we are remembering the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So those are the ordinances of the New Testament. There is nothing about Easter. There is nothing about Good Friday. There is nothing about Lent. This is how we celebrate the death and the burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right there. There are three that bear witness in earth the Spirit and the water and the blood. That is the Word of God and the preaching of it, the water of baptism. Every time we have a baptism, it is a glorious demonstration and picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And every time we have the Lord's Supper by that cup of wine showing His shed blood, we remember Him. We reject Easter for its name. The name Easter in the English language comes from Eostra, the Anglo-Saxon God of Spring and Dawn. We reject Easter for its date. It is the first Sunday after the first full moon, after the spring equinox. Now, what kind of people pick dates by spring equinoxes? Is it in the Bible? Or is it Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, where the prophet said, Be not dismayed at the signs of the heavens, for the heathen are dismayed at them. That's where that date is picked. It's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. We reject Easter for its pagan origin. Pagans have always had a spring celebration because it was exciting in the northern hemisphere of Europe to have a renewal after the deadness of winter, to have animals mating and reproducing 
and crops bringing forth, and they had spring celebrations where they honored fertility and sex and love and other things related to reproduction. We reject Easter for sunrise services because in Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 16, when the prophet Ezekiel was being shown great abominations by the Lord, the last abomination and the worst of them was a sunrise service in Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 16. I grew up not knowing any better, nor did my father know better, having sunrise services. And there were people in this city this morning that had sunrise services. They stood facing the east as the sun came up and sang to the sun. We abominate such things. We hate such things. We reject Easter for rabbits laying eggs. Because rabbits don't lay eggs. I don't care what you feed rabbits or how much you feed rabbits. They don't lay eggs. Children, please don't be confused. Rabbits don't lay eggs. But why are rabbits and eggs associated? An egg is a sign of fertility because there's no life without the female egg. What's the fastest reproducing little mammal that any of you know about? Other than your pastor when he was young. Rabbits. My nickname was Rabbit. Forgive me. I, I want to be serious, but let's also enjoy the truth of God's Word. Rabbits multiply so fast, you put a male and a female rabbit together, you're not going to have two for very long. And eggs. Rabbits and eggs are signs of fertility, reproduction, sex, and so forth. Why in the world would people go to church this morning and then have an Easter egg hunt with chocolate rabbits after church? Why the confusion? Because they don't follow the Word of God. If they'd have stuck with Revelation 12, 17, 17, 4 through 6, and then First uh, John 5, they wouldn't be playing around with rabbits and eggs. We reject that because it's a sexual symbol of fertility. We reject Easter for fish on Friday. There is something that reproduces faster than rabbits, and it's fish. A single cod can spawn nine million eggs in a year. Single cod. Fish on Friday required by the Roman Catholic Church during Lent because you can't eat meat. Why can't you eat meat? Because they want to fulfill the doctrine of the devil described in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3, where the Apostle Paul said it is a doctrine of the devil to forbid men from eating meat. And what is Lent in the Catholic Church but 40 days of so-called abstinence from meat? They don't consider fish meat by their definition of terms, so they eat fish, which is part of a fertility symbol of Easter. We reject Easter for hot cross buns. You may have never made a hot cross bun or bought one, but they're a, a valid part of Easter tradition, and they are found in Jeremiah chapter 7 and Jeremiah 44, where the Israelites, when they were practicing idolatry, made cakes for the queen of heaven. Hot cross buns. They put a cross on a bun, serve it at Easter time, and think that it's Christian. Where is that found in the Bible? I just told you where it's found, and it's pagan religion. We reject Easter for Lent and Mardi Gras. I've already mentioned why we reject Lent. 
Have you ever seen a Catholic practicing Lent? They take ashes and put it in the form of a cross on their forehead. What other religion in the world puts a cross of ashes or a spot of ashes on their forehead? Hindus. They put that there, and there's a whole another study about that particular part of the human anatomy in pagan religion, superstition, and witchcraft, and voodoo. But that's where Catholics baptize, and that's where they put ashes during Lent. We reject it for Mardi Gras. What does the word Mardi Gras mean? That big celebration that they have down in New Orleans. Does anybody remember what the French Mardi Gras stands for? Fat Tuesday. You're supposed to gorge yourself in revelry in the name of Christ because you're about to enter into Lent. It's the last day before Lent. So they party and revel and get drunk and stuff themselves on a day called Fat Tuesday. That's what Mardi Gras means. We reject Easter for the greatest day of the great whore. If you look at the liturgical calendar of the great whore of Rome, the Roman Catholic Church, what is her greatest day? It's Easter. We reject it. We reject Easter for three days and three nights because the Catholics, by burying him on Friday afternoon and rising him on Sunday morning, only have one day and two nights. And the Bible says three days and three nights. So everything we can think of about Easter, we reject it for biblical reasons. Somebody might say God doesn't care about details like that. Will you consider a few questions with me? Why was the cemetery at the First Baptist Church of Corinth so big, so fast? Why were there so many dead Christians in the church at Corinth? Because they modified the Lord's Supper. Why did the church at Jerusalem have two early stones for Ananias and Sapphira? Because they modified their giving by fudging it a little to Peter. They brought a great gift to the right apostle at the right time, blessed their hearts, they sold their property and brought a gift, but why did God kill them? Because they lied. Why is Jezebel at the church of Thyatira in the book of Revelation and all those that were following her in spiritual fornication, why did Jesus say that he was going to come and kill all of them? Because God does care about details. Why did Moses never see the promised land? Because he smote a rock instead of speaking to it. Why did David have a man killed in a parade? Because he carried the Ark of the Covenant on a new ox cart instead of on the priest's shoulders as he should have. The Lord does care about details, and we love Him to give details, but brethren, you know, I'm ending now my little essay on Easter because more than this outward act of obedience that we're giving to God today by not celebrating Easter, we want to examine our hearts and have the purest form of religion that we can for Him. And I have nothing more to say about Good Friday, Easter, and Lent today because we're going to have some subjects that are going to strike closer to home before us in just a few minutes. That is why we don't celebrate Easter. I'm thankful to be part of the remnant of the woman that was the true church of Jesus Christ. And I hope that excites you to be in this building today and to be part of that remnant. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
O Lord God, our Father, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth. O Lord, Thou hast made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that in them is. And they praise Thee this day. We thank Thee, Heavenly Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ that sits at Thy right hand, our mediator, our high priest, the apostle of our profession, ever living to make intercession for us. We know, Heavenly Father, that every time we baptize by Bible baptism, which involves burial and resurrection from water, we show the Lord's resurrection. And we know that is your ordinance. We thank Thee that when the Lord Jesus of Nazareth was on earth, You witnessed that He was the Son of God by the Spirit that was upon Him by water and by blood. And we thank Thee that Thou hast preserved and reserved the Spirit, the water, and the blood for our use in remembering the Lord Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. Heavenly Father, let us not be puffed up or haughty by the fact that we are not celebrating Easter today. Let us be humbled and convicted and broken before your word as it strikes us about sins of the heart in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. O oh Lord God, have mercy upon us. Do not let us comfort ourselves by avoiding something so obvious that is wrong. Let us show ourselves and our godliness by taking care of those more subtle sins that deceive us. Heavenly Father, we pray for your pastors that you have called, that Jesus Christ has gifted wherever they might be this day, near to us or far from us, that you would bless them and let the word of God have free course and be glorified. And may your sheep be instructed and fed with knowledge and understanding. Save them from thieves and robbers and bless them under the great shepherd of the sheep to be protected this day. We thank you for your churches. We thank you for your saints scattered abroad, and we pray your protection upon them. We are thankful for our government. We are thankful for our rulers. We are thankful for our president and his family. We are thankful for our bodies of Congress. We are thankful for our highest court, and we are thankful for those beneath them all the way down to our local magistrates and surveyors and all those appointed by local government. Heavenly Father, we're thankful to live in a country so free, so blessed, so protected that we can worship Thee like this without fear and we can preach without compromise the glorious truth of Your Word. We thank You that we have privileges, that we have pleasures, that we have prosperity, that we have protection in a combination the world has never seen before. And we're thankful. Heavenly Father, you have blessed us with witty inventions and with incomes, able to do most anything that we choose to do in a nation that allows us the freedom. We're thankful for it. And we pray for our government. And we supplicate on their behalf. And we intercede for them. For we fear that they will not be praying themselves. But we pray for them. That in the peace of this Babylon. We might have peace ourselves. Heavenly Father. We ask that you would bless us by your presence. 
through the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of the living God, this day, that our worship will be acceptable in thy sight. Heavenly Father, for the cold hearts, inflame them. For the sinful wayward hearts, recover them. Convert us and convict us. And lead us upward and lift us up in our spirits. Lift us up in our minds. Forgive us our sins and our love of sin and our weakness before the world and its temptations that we might be wholly thine in this house. We are thankful for the privilege. O Lord, let your grace be not spent on us in vain, but let us worship thee with our whole hearts, our full minds. Help us to this end. Be with us now and enable us in everything that we do that it will be pleasing in thy sight. We thank thee and we bless thee for everything that thou hast done, art doing, and wilt do for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.